If you have a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 4, all right? Uh, the Gospel of Matthew is all about the kingship of Jesus, all right? And Jesus being the king and establishing his kingdom uh, here on earth and, and his kingdom, which is here now and is here not yet, all right? And, and what happens this week as we're reading the Gospel of Matthew, uh, in, in chapter 5, sorry, next week begins, um, like chapter 5, 6, 7, is called the Sermon on the Mount, all right? And Jesus has this big crowd and he sits down and starts teaching them. And Matthew 5, 6, 7 is kind of Jesus establishing this is the way our kingdom works. <laughs> like the laws, almost, of, of the way the kingdom works and the way that God works on this earth and this new thing that Jesus is doing. So we're leading up to that. And in Matthew chapter 4, we see the temptation of Jesus. We see Jesus starting to uh, give teaching and, and those kinds of things. And, and this week... Jesus actually calls some disciples and then begins showing what the activity of his kingdom is and, and the way that the kingdom of God works. So we're going to read all the way through it and then I want to talk through it a bit uh, and kind of see where it goes. So it'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Uh, otherwise it's verse 18. So this is uh, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. While walking by the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, him continuing to be Jesus. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Jesus has begun uh, doing something. This is the beginning of his ministry. This isn't, though, the very beginning. Jesus' actual ministry on earth is about three years long, okay? And the Gospel of Matthew skips the whole first year. Uh, that's not a part of what he's trying to tell, and so he skips it. And so we can read about that, like in Luke or like in the Gospel of John. You can read about Jesus' first year of public ministry. But M Matthew goes, baptism, temptation, second year. Just like that, just kind of slams into that second year. And Jesus is walking around and he's establishing things. If you just read through this and you don't know that, and you see Jesus and he walks up and Peter and Andrew are there working in their dad's boat and James and John are down the shore a bit working in their dad's boat. And Jesus walks up and goes, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and you think, they said, well that is so witty because we are fishermen and you want us to be fishers of men? I am dropping everything to follow a guy that witty. Right? I have never met you, but you have Jedi mind tricks. Woo! Right? Like, when you just read that and you're like, Jesus can walk up to you and say, follow me. And, and you just, uh, zombie after Jesus. Right? And you kind of think that. But that's not what's happening. 
Uh, Jesus was already going around teaching and spreading uh, his message and, and doing even probably doing a couple of miracles that were known uh, before this even happens. And so Peter and Andrew and James and John very likely had seen Jesus around, had even gone out to hear him teaching, been to their local synagogue to hear the things that he has to, to say and to hear the things that, that he's bringing. Because in their culture, Jesus is a rabbi, all right? And that's the title they would use for him. That's the title they use for him. People call him rabbi in the Gospels. And the way that their education system worked like this, all right? When you were a young child, boys and girls, the mother in the home would teach you all about um, the stories in the Gospels because these were their hero stories. Much like we have heroes like um, George Washington or Chris Columbus who came across and discovered things. We tell these stories to children. Their stories were about Moses and Elijah and, and David and, and the giant and, and about Daniel in the lion's den. And these are the stories that were taught. And so the people learn culturally who they were because of who their heroes were of their people. And so boys and girls would learn this. And then eventually, just the boys, not the girls, would go to synagogue school. And the synagogue school had three levels. Most of the time had three levels from what we can tell. And you would go through level one, and the very best of level one would get to go on to level two, and the very best of level two would get to go on to level three. So it'd be like if you did your elementary education, and, and the very best in elementary got to go to middle school, and the very best middle schoolers got to go to high school, and the very best high schoolers got to go to college. And the rest of them returned to work in the trade that the family did for generations. So for Peter and Andrew, James and John, that was become a fisherman. All right? They, at some point, were not the very best of the very best and didn't continue on in their education. And it wasn't like a shameful thing. It was like, you're called to keep going. I'm, my destiny is continue to work in my father's business. My dad was a fisherman. My dad's dad was a fisherman. My kids will be fishermen. My kids' kids will be fishermen. This was great. There was no kind of like... Uh, like strange uh, social outcasts to not continuing on. But when you continued on, eventually you would get to a point where you would go to a rabbi. And rabbis would, were these kind of honored people in their culture. And they were honored because they gave teachings. And they gave teachings on the Torah, which was like the first five books and then the extension of the whole Old Testament. And they would come into your synagogues. And synagogues were a lot like local churches, except they were structured different, whereas most local churches kind of look like this, right? Have a, everybody looking in one direction thing. In the synagogue, they would have more of a circle or a rectangle and the elders of the community would sit in the middle and they would discuss a passage and discuss how they understood the teachings of the Old Testament and then the, the community would sit around them and, and listen in and eventually as you grew older maybe you became an elder in your community and you would contribute in the conversation you know or you'd be allowed to ask a question in the conversation and things like that but the conversation happened alright and so and these were in much smaller communities much smaller gatherings and these synagogues were local churches in every village every other village at least had a synagogue and, and they would go there to to do their teachings and some of the rituals that were associated with the Jewish faith. And so Jesus was going synagogue to synagogue and sitting in on these teachings and this is what rabbis did. Now, when a rabbi came to town, the very best of the very best of the very best of your education system would go to the rabbi and he would 
apply to the rabbi and say, I would like to be your disciple. I would like to learn to be like you. And the rabbi would then ask him some questions. He would grill him. He would say, so uh, my uh, take on this passage is this. What's your take on that passage? And how do you connect this scripture and this scripture? And do you think they're related? And how do you deal with uh, this and deal with this? Much like if you read the Bible today, there's things you say, well, I believe this, but how do I, what do I do with this verse that seems to contradict what I believe? And so they would put them together and you would hear the disciples speak his answers and the rabbi would then say, yes, this young man can be like me or no, this young man can't be like me. And it was the highest honor that a young man could get would be for a rabbi to say, yes, you can be my disciple. And you would walk and you would actually follow the rabbi. There was a blessing that said, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Meaning, as he walks down these dirt roads, the dust comes up and covers you. And, and it's just, a, it's a blessing to be dirty from following your rabbi because you're able to follow him around and you watch what he does you learn how he talks you watch him interact with people you watch him teach and you learn his take on the Torah and his doctrine and so the rabbis were revered and the disciples would apply to the rabbis because they were the very best of the very best students so Jesus the rabbi comes into town. And you need to understand, rabbis, like, we know who these guys were, like Hillel and Gamaliel, alright? Gamaliel and Hillel are kind of like Yale and Harvard, alright? Like, these are rabbis you and I aren't getting into, alright? You're not going to go to Harvard and then someday start for the Knicks and school Kobe. It's not going to happen, alright? Um, but... That was good, huh? There's like four of us in this room that are just so stoked about Jeremy Lin. But anyways, um, I just, I can't sleep at night. I have like a Tim Tebow for the winter. And so um, there is this, you, there are like high profile rabbis and then there's low profile rabbis. But, but just following a rabbi is a big deal. And so when Jesus would come into town, you would expect that the best of the best would go to Jesus because he was giving a teaching that was different than other teachings. And he was gaining a lot of popularity. And so to follow Jesus would be much like following like an Ivy League school that was kind of an upstart Ivy League school or a school that's emerging as something that's, that's really, really great. And when Jesus comes into town, he goes to Peter and Andrew and James and John. But Peter, Andrew, James, and John are all back working with their dads, which means at some point they weren't good enough. And then Jesus completely reverses the way things are supposed to go, and he goes to the not good enough and says, I'd like you to drop everything and follow me. Now, if you're Zebedee and you're sitting there and James and John, you're like, go dummies you know like James and John are like I haven't read a book since high school and he's like get going the rabbi asked you to go you go this is like you know this would be like a, the university walking into the high school classroom and you've got the emo kid painting his nails in the corner and you're like you you're our kind of material come on you know and the kid's like and he has something mouthy to say and you're like exactly that's why we want you you know it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense for Jesus as a rabbi to go into this culture and start asking regular people to follow him. It doesn't make any sense at all for Jesus to go to people who are engaged in their father's business and Jesus asks them to abandon that and to follow him. Because when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, you can be just like me. Is that not an encouraging message? Most of us in this room 
have discovered that we're not the best of the best, right? Some of you are about to discover that. <laughs> but at some point, you become an adult, you realize you're not the best of the best. You're not as great as it gets. We start to realize who we actually are. I say this, and seriously, I picked up my son from the children's ministry, and he has awesome tagged on his head. It's spelt wrong. <laughs> so, it's fantastic. So, he still thinks he's the best of the best, and he'll learn. But uh, he doesn't know I'm preaching this today, but we'll get there. So. But at some point, you realize you're not the best of the best. And Jesus' message to the not the best of the best is that you can become like him. That you can follow him. That you're the kind of person that Jesus sees potential in to be like Jesus. Like if you want to know what the gospel is, the gospel is that you, like you and I, regular people, can be chosen by God to follow him. At the same time, we kind of feel like this isn't fair. Why are we just getting Andrew, Peter, James, and John? Like there's plenty of other guys on the, sh- on the shore of Lake Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. Why is Jesus just picking them? And when you think about your own life and your own family, why does Jesus expose his grace to me in a way that I can respond to it, that I've put my full faith and trust in him, yet I have family members and I have friends who haven't responded to Jesus in that way? Why isn't Jesus overwhelming them the way that, like, why isn't Jesus showing them how real he is? Why are some of us chosen and some of us aren't? It's kind of a frustrating thing. Like, why haven't my friends realized? Why didn't everyone on that beach go, there's a rabbi that we're all allowed to follow. Let's go. And the rabbi picks these guys. They're not even the best followers of Jesus. Like, seriously, the disciples aren't the best followers of Jesus on earth, even while Jesus is on earth. Like, they're actually, they kind of stink at it. Like, if Jesus was looking for guys to start his church with or start a movement with, he wasn't really good at spotting talent. You know? One of the, he picks 12 guys, one of them betrays him. The other, 10 of them run away when he gets in trouble, right? Like, these guys are not the kind of material that you're looking for when you're ready to storm the beaches or invade somewhere. Jesus had plenty of other followers that we read in the gospel who weren't his inner disciples who were really good. Who were good followers of Jesus, if that makes sense. Committed. uh, Understanding a lot quicker. uh, Understanding a lot deeper. And yet Jesus saw some in these 12. And then in these 12, uh, Jesus actually, and well, he picks four of them today, and, and four of the four, three of them become his inner circle, James, John, and Peter. And then John becomes Jesus' best friend. Jesus has like a best friend on earth. Like Jesus wants to be your friend, but not your best friend, because he already has a, a best friend. <laughs> Jesus and John are BFFs, and, and you can... If that's an issue for you, Jesus can heal you of that. But John, Jesus' disciple, was the disciple that Jesus loved. And it's described that way, that Jesus had a more intimate relationship and a closer relationship with John than with John, James, and Peter. And he was closer with John, James, and Peter than he was with the other twelve. And he was closer with the twelve than he was with the crowds. And this is how Jesus chose to act. When we enter into this, a lot of times we have this kind of thing where we want to 
We want to be good enough for Jesus. I hear people say, like, I really, I don't want to mess up in front of my family because I'm, I'm representing Jesus. And we trick ourselves into thinking that Jesus needs good representation. Like God hasn't represented himself well enough, I need to represent him well. And I understand the need or the want to please and honor God. That's a loving thing. In love relationships, you want to please and love and please and honor the one you love. But to think that God needs it begins to put like an undue guilt on ourselves. A guilt that we don't deserve or we don't get to own. We don't get to to be a disappointment to other people in terms of God. The Bible teaches that the glory glory of God is declared in the heavens. uh, That the mountains declare the glory of God. And so you can be the worst Christian in our church. You can be the worst Christian in town. And Jesus says, I chose you. And you get to get to heaven and you have no gold stars. And God says, why should I let you in? And Jesus says, I chose him. We have a relationship. We know each other. And that's the only factor that matters. And once you get into heaven, theologically we know there's things like rewards and people get crowns and there's mansions and stuff like that. But there's no such thing as jealousy. So once you're in, who cares? Right? And everybody has to share. (laughs) So there is no like, I need to earn extra points. I need to have gold stars when I get to heaven. Because heaven is this perfect place where there is no competition. There is no winners and losers. It's all people who exist with God. And that's the defining characteristic. And to exist with God doesn't mean that someday we exist with God. It means we exist with God and we move into someday. This is the second part of this whole teaching. When Jesus goes throughout all Galilee, the Galilee as a a region, probably 300,000 people, probably a little more than 200 little villages, a couple bigger cities, he goes all over teaching in their synagogues, which is an interesting way to put that. And, and, and his fame spreads all through Syria. So Galilee is like one side of, the, of, uh, of Lake Galilee. Syria is the northern edge. And then great crowds follow him. This is the last verse from Galilee and the Decapolis, which is the other side. So all the way around he's, this lake, he's famous. And from Jerusalem, which is the capital city. From Judea, which is the south region. And from beyond the Jordan, which would be the, uh, the far side of the Jordan River. And so Jesus' fame is spreading all over. And the reason that his fame is spreading all over is because of what he's doing. He's, and the three things he's doing, all right? First of all, he goes through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, all right? And the teaching is primarily happening with his disciples. So if you're already a follower of Jesus, the primary part of your relationship to Jesus and your relation, like who you are in relation to Jesus is you're a disciple, Jesus is the rabbi, all right? In that kind of a, of a concept, don't mistake things to think that Pastor James is the rabbi. I follow Pastor James. Seriously. Someday I'm going to stop breathing and I'm leaving. You know? Follow Jesus. Uh, I teach the things I believe about Jesus and the things I believe the Bible teaches. But Jesus is significantly better than me. All right? Significantly. All right? My wife is backstage. but Otherwise you would have heard an amen there. But there is... Jesus is... is who we follow. He's the rabbi. We're all 
his disciples, all right? So there is no like, I follow this TV preacher or I read this guy's book. It's Jesus. And Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the senior pastor of our church, all right? He gets the lead. We follow Jesus. So Jesus is the rabbi developing disciples. He's teaching them. Then he also is proclaiming, or we would use the word preaching. And this is for people who don't understand or don't know. He's telling the story of the great news that you can be a disciple of Jesus no matter who you are, which is fantastic news. And he's proclaiming that for everyone. The message of the church is that those who follow Jesus are discipling, but everyone is qualified to be a disciple. Everyone. There's no like, no structure that you have to go through or no system or no quiz. You want to follow Jesus, that's all it takes. If you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, you're qualified, you're in, and you're a top-level follower of Jesus. That's how it goes. So he's teaching and he's proclaiming. And then the third thing he's doing is healing. He's uh, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Uh, Later on it says, they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. So when Jesus is going around, and this isn't a time when we don't have things like modern medicine that we do today, you can have illnesses that you just have no idea what to do with or where they came from. Jesus is healing them. And he's healing people with physical illness. He's healing people people with uh, demonic oppression. So like things that express themselves in mental illnesses or emotional illnesses. Jesus is going around and taking broken people and making them whole. He's teaching his disciples, proclaiming the hope of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And then he's making people whole. This is the activity of the kingdom of God. This is the activity of of the people of God. We disciple. We disciple each other. We decide, I meet with, and I hang out with Christians that are younger in the faith than me. Not necessarily like younger age-wise, but younger in the faith than me. Because I'm able to help them follow Jesus. And I meet with Christians who are further along than me because they help me follow Jesus. So I'm discipling others, even though I'm not the rabbi. Jesus is, I'm discipling others And I'm being discipled by others, so I become a tool of Jesus. And this is the role of the church. And Jesus didn't say, Peter, Andrew, James, John, I want you to come and watch me. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So this isn't a come to Jesus and watch. This isn't a come to the grove and watch this. Watch this church grow. This is come and participate. Jesus never asked anybody to watch him. He said, come and do this with me. In a little while, in a, well, it'll take us a long time, but if you're just sitting down and reading Matthew, Jesus really quickly, before the disciples are fully trained, before they go away and get a, a seminary degree, he says, okay, you guys all go out and do what I did, and let's see what happens. Because it, there's no like magic requirement to go around the world discipling, proclaiming the message of Jesus, and bringing healing to people. This is what we do. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, Get discipled, be a discipler. Tell people that don't know about Jesus, about Jesus. And bring healing to people. Sometimes it's physical healing. Uh, Sometimes people have physical ailments that that you're able to help with. Sometimes it's emotional. People that are encouragers uh, are able to go to people who are struggling emotionally and, and just just help them. Just bring wholeness to something that's in them. 
people that have illnesses that are that are mental or or hitches in their in their mental uh, sphere. We bring healing. This is what we do, and, and we may not be able to. Like we don't. I'm not a doctor, so I can't bring like healing to a person physically. If I had Jesus' power for one day, it would be the funnest day of my entire life. If I could walk around uh, healing people with epilepsy and, and paralytics, I would get in the car and go up to like one of the big hospitals and just go room to room. Get up, there's a dance. Get up, there's a dance, right? I'd get a DJ and we would have the best dance ever. You know, It wouldn't be like us dancing because we're all shy about it. You know, It'd be like... Dang, we are dancing because I can, right? And it would be, it would just be a huge party. For some reason, we don't oh, so far have this, and maybe because Jesus knows what I would do with it. Um, but, but someday, when Jesus wants to have a dance, He knows who to talk to. Um, so, but we are, uh, we are bringing healing to people, and it doesn't might not look so miraculous, but this is what Jesus does. And for some of us, like if you're a follower of Jesus, I've met people who put their faith and trust in Jesus who are like, who struggle with addictions and they struggle with that addiction for the rest of their life. They're following Jesus, but they struggle, struggle, struggle until one day their physical body stops breathing and they live eternally with Jesus and they never struggle with that addiction again. I know other people that turn to Jesus and it's like gone. It's like the temptation is just disappeared. I've known people who who smoked or who drank and just never wanted that again. Like, actually never wanted it. And and they just live their life with Jesus. Eventually their body stops breathing and they go to heaven and it's just like, well, that was cool. All of us who follow Jesus are going to a place of wholeness. At some point, the hurt and the brokenness and the scars that you have, whether it's physical you wake up every morning with a bad back at some point that's not going to happen if you have emotional scars at some point that's not going to hurt if mentally you have hitches in your head that you just can't get over things or can't get past things or you struggle with worry or anxiety or depression eventually you won't and sometimes God heals now and sometimes it's miraculous and sometimes it just blows our mind and we're like, I don't even, we can't, don't have a scientific explanation for that. And sometimes we live through it and we don't understand why. Obviously we would choose healing now. But if everybody was healed now, by definition, that's heaven. And so we have to leave <laughs> or put on white robes, you know. Like, sometimes people think, I'm here and I've just got to sit here with Jesus. And eventually I die and then whoop, I go to heaven. And then I have this happy eternity. I want you to think this way. That yeah, we're here and this is kind of a broken place and this is a whole place. And we're moving like this. Because Jesus is healing us. And some of us, maybe at the moment you put your trust in Jesus, it was like, wow. And just amazing. And some of us, it was like, uh, and you barely move at all. And you barely move at all. Here's the gospel. Eventually, you will be whole. And the message of the church is bringing wholeness and bringing healing to the whole world. See, while we are being healed, because every church has brokenness, every one of us 
if, if you're whole and you're complete, stop breathing because you need to leave, right? Like, every one of us is in process of healing, of becoming complete, of becoming whole again. We're in that process because that's how we are meant to be. You're not meant to suffer and you're not meant to hurt and you're not meant to just sit in the pain that you're sitting in. And Jesus is progressing you to a place where all there is is healing, is, is wholeness, is perfection, is with Godness. And the message of the gospel, and it's not that Matthew 4 happened a long time ago and oh, that was great. It's that Jesus ushered in a whole new way of living. If you're here maybe for the first time or maybe you've never heard the gospel explained this way, you've never heard of Jesus, what Jesus said is that life with your full faith and trust in Jesus, where you repent of your sin and, and depend on Jesus to pay the price that our sin requires in relationship to our perfect God, Jesus described this as the best possible life. And even though we're a huge church with more and more people, it's not because we want more and more people. It's because Jesus has shown us the best life that there possibly is. And I don't understand why you would want to continue to live a broken life when the possibility of a whole life is there. And I don't tell you about this whole life because I get a prize or because I get to fill in a stat sheet to send to denominational headquarters that nobody ever looks at anyways. We do this because we've discovered this life that is so amazing that we really want you to experience this. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus, it's not because we want you to join our club. It's not because we're trying to trick you or get something from you. It's because you've never experienced life until you follow Jesus. Until you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're a broken person who's just stuck in brokenness. And following Jesus means healing. It means I'm going to a place where I will be whole. And it might just be parts of me right now, but eventually it will be complete. Let's stand and pray together and then worship our God. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you and we glorify you for doing what we cannot. We thank you that we don't apply to God and see if we're good enough. But God comes into our neighborhood and says, you, follow me. I pray that you would help us to respond in a way that we're able to abandon everything. To drop our nets and follow you. And do the things and live the life that you call us to live. God, there's some in this room who've never followed you ever, and we pray that today you would begin that process of falling in love with Jesus for them. We pray that you would move among us in a way that brings healing to us, and as we are healing, brings healing to our city, brings healing to our valley, to our country, to our world. We only play this because you have mercy on us and you give us your grace. By your name, amen.